good to see you guys this morning, and uh, welcome to Redemption Church. If you are a guest, we're glad you're here uh, visiting on this uh, Independence Day weekend. Uh, many folks are traveling, and some of you may be here as guests, and we're thankful to have you. Um, today we are continuing our series uh, called Are You Serious? As we are looking at different facets of the Christian faith and asking, that self, uh, asking ourselves the question, Are You Serious? Uh, today we're looking at, are you serious about the Holy Spirit? We'll be in the book of John, John's Gospel, chapter 14. So as you turn there, let me pray and ask God uh, to uh, be with us uh, during our time in his word. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. Got a time to gather uh, with your people, time to gather as your people uh, around the proclamation of the good news of the person and work of Jesus i got a time to open your word and study and, and to uh, learn more about who you are and, and what you've done throughout history and who you are and what you're doing in our lives personally. Uh, Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus by whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. And God, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who uh, through your scriptures um, you've said dwells here with us as we worship who opens our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the good news of Jesus, who inspired the scripture to be written down and gives us understanding. So, uh, so Holy Spirit, now we ask that you indeed dwell with us, that you would be present with us as we continue to worship, as we continue uh, in studying your scriptures together. And God, I pray that you change uh, who we are and how we are for your glory and for our joy and that the good news of Jesus may radiate from this place to the nations. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 14, uh, verse 15. Uh, This is Jesus talking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make, and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is God's word. Friends, Christ's gift to you is the promised Holy Spirit who identifies you as a child of God and who enables you to believe the gospel. This good news shapes who we are together and how we live, partnering on mission together as a church, as God's people. Today we ask ourselves this question, are you serious about the Holy Spirit? And I'm hoping over the next few minutes as we look at several passages of Scripture that this will be a starting point uh, for you this week to consider uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Trying to sum up the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit is is really like trying to uh, 
teach a 30-minute session on God. <laughs> you know, the entire book uh, is about God, the Father, and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what I'm hoping over the next few minutes is to uh, pry into our hearts a little bit to answer some questions about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, and what this means for you and I today. There are several misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, and maybe you have these misconceptions. Often folks will uh, misunderstand the Holy Spirit as being an it. Uh, maybe you're here today and you think of the Holy Spirit as like a force, you know, like Star Wars. May the force be with you, you know. Uh, you think of the Holy Spirit being some sort of, of it or some sort of power or energy. But friends, Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. As Christians, we, we believe that, that God is in three persons, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And often uh, we uh, kind of can understand God as a father, as the video showed. Um, Daniel made that point very clear. We understand God. We have this concept of, of what a father should be. So we understand God as a father. And, and we can kind of understand Jesus as a son because he was a, a human. But the Holy Spirit sometimes uh, we give uh, not as much attention to because we think he is rather some sort of nebulous it and force. We see throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is present at creation. He is actively involved in the creation of the universe in the book of Genesis. We see that throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of, of God is, is, is the voice of God through the prophets. We see that the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture is, uh, is the one who empowers God's people for different tasks, whether it be a warrior or a king. The Holy Spirit comes down to empower God's people for a task. We know that the Holy Spirit of God was uh, responsible for, for the conception of Jesus before his birth in Mary's womb. Uh, that was the Holy Spirit's work. We see in the book of Galatians there is fruit of the Holy Spirit that manifests in a Christian's life personally. There is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life if you are a Christian. We see that the book of 1 Corinthians 12 uh, talks about gifts that the Holy Spirit endows not only for personal edification, but for the building up of the church together. We see that this happens in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12. Uh, throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is a person who is at work in and through God's people. A.W. Tozer said, Because we have shut out the Holy Spirit in so many ways, we are stumbling along as though we are spiritually blindfolded. So maybe you're here today as a Christian or a young believer and you're trying to figure out, you know, how come, how come my life doesn't look the way I thought it would? As a Christian, I thought my life would look like this. Or as a church, I thought our church would look this way. And friends, I submit to you, I am guilty of this as well, that maybe we have kind of shut out the Holy Spirit from our lives personally and maybe even from this church. And therefore we're stumbling along as spiritually blindfolded people. Pastor Mark Driscoll of Mars Hill Church in Seattle said, Just as the body without a spirit is a corpse, so too is a church. And friends, it is my hope and prayer that not only now as we look at God's word, but in the weeks to come, the Holy Spirit of God would continue to work in us and through us together as a church. If you're a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit gave you understanding of the gospel. If there is any evidence of Christ's work in your life, it's because the Holy Spirit has done something. And I hope and pray that he will continue to do that in our midst. John 14, where we just looked at a minute ago, in the words of Jesus himself, he's instructing his disciples. And the chapter starts in the very first verse with the statement, Believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus goes on to proclaim, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So as Jesus is teaching about true belief, true faith, true salvation, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. That's not an accident. 
Jesus isn't just rambling out a bunch of truisms of faith, but rather he is tying, weaving together this tapestry of salvation and the gospel for us. He says, look, believe in God, believe in me. He's talking about faith there, belief, faith, relational trust that plays itself out in action. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Following the teaching of faith and salvation, he teaches about the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates our hearts to even believe the gospel. In this passage, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a helper. Verse 26, he says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, the helper the one who comes alongside of, sent by God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, the third person of the Trinity. He is not some sort of spinach like Popeye eats to make you stronger for a moment, but rather he is a relational deity who comes alongside. Scripture describes him as an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, Those words are the same words that are used to describe a wife in Scripture. Just as a wife comes alongside of a husband, so too the Holy Spirit comes alongside of Christian individuals and comes alongside of Christian communities and churches relationally. Not as a force, an it, but a relational God. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I... um, Uh, moved into a new home right before the birth of our twins. We needed a little more space, and so we moved into a new home, and uh, it had some just nasty carpet. I mean, just filthy. We're like, that's disgusting. Like, Chewbacca must have been rolling around on this floor for 20 years. It's filthy, right? So uh, the first thing we did, I mean, the the sellers were gracious enough to give us a flooring allowance, which is cool, and so we decided to... um, uh, lay down some hardwood floors and I'm not a very handy crafty guy so I talked to a friend of mine um, who's a, a contractor his name is Ben and um, you know I said hey Ben can you and your crew come lay floors he said yeah I can it'd be pretty expensive but man it's pretty easy uh, I'll be glad to show you how to do it man it'll save you some money you can even borrow my tools I was like wow it's awesome and so uh, Ben came over brought all of his tools and it was not easy first of all uh, Ben Ben is not a liar but he is a nice man with skills and I'm a not so nice man with no skills. And so uh, so for the next couple of days, we uh, proceeded to um, try to lay wood floor. And actually, some of you in this room, many of you came over and helped pull up staples and the carpet and stuff. So thank you. It was fun. But as we're trying to lay this wood floor, the thing that was remarkable at this moment is, is Ben did not ne- merely say, this is how you do it, and here are the tools. Have fun. That would have been an it, a, a force, a thing that he could have done to say, here's the tools you need, and I can tell you how to do it from over here. I'm hitting Zaxby's. I'll be back to check on you. But rather, Ben said, look, man, I'm your friend. You obviously have no idea what you're doing. I'm going to hang out with you for about 48 hours and destroy my back with you. And so for the next couple days, Ben and I were on our hands and knees and cutting stuff and moving stuff and destroying his tools and... um, and actually had a little bit of fun doing it. I had some music playing or whatever. And it's because he's a friend. He came alongside of me relationally. And we worked together to get the job halfway done before we called in the professionals to finish the rest. See, likewise, the Holy Spirit is not a tool. The Holy Spirit isn't an it that Jesus sends like a bag of tools and says, here you go, here's the tool you need, have fun. Nor does Jesus say, look, I'll tell you what you need to do with the tools and I'm walking away. But rather, the Holy Spirit is involved on the floor, on his hands and knees with us as we are hard at work, um, living the life of faith, fumbling along the way, hurting ourselves, hurting others. But the whole time, the Holy Spirit is alongside of us as an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, God. In Scripture... In this passage, tells us a few things about the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And so I want to look at a couple of these ways today, and I'm going to throw out a lot of Scripture. I would encourage you to jot it down and spend time this week looking at that Scripture uh, and having God change you and give you understanding of who He is and what He's doing in our midst. Because the Holy Spirit coming alongside of us as an advocate, a, a counselor, a comforter, as Jesus says, a helper, 
He helps us in many ways. And the first way we see is this. The Holy Spirit identifies us as God's children and enables us to believe the gospel. Verses 18 and 19 say this. As Jesus is talking, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. All right, so Jesus makes this promise before, uh, before he is crucified and, and then raises again from the dead and ascends to be with God the Father in heaven. He, he makes this promise to his disciples, and this is true for you and I today. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. See, the work of Jesus is that he, uh, because of his perfect life, his death as a substitute, his resurrection and his ascension to be with God the Father, Jesus is securing for us a new identity as God's children. You know, just as a human being, you are not by nature a child of God. You're not. Scripture actually tells us by nature we are children of wrath. We are children of rebellion. We are people who look God, our creator, in the face and say, thanks, but no thanks, we'd rather go this way. And if that's how you are, you're in good company, because we're all like that. Scripture says that every human being that's ever lived, except for Jesus himself, is a child of wrath by nature, a child of rebellion. But you see, the personal work of Jesus, Jesus comes to rescue us, to save us, by living a perfect life in our place, by dying a sacrificial death in our place, to atone for our sins and wrongdoing, to make all the sad things come untrue. And it's the Holy Spirit who seals us, who identifies us as those whom Jesus has saved. Now stick with me for a second because I want to explain this a little better. It's the Holy Spirit who says, you are a child of God and I'm going to identify you as a child of God and because of that, you can now believe what Jesus has done. You can now understand who Jesus is a little bit. So if you have any understanding of faith whatsoever, it's because the Holy Spirit has given you that understanding. You, you have wisdom because the Holy Spirit has given you that wisdom. By nature, we're children of wrath. We're children of rebellion. So by nature, we're not going to just get it. It's the Holy Spirit's work who identifies us as children. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 and 22 says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. See, Scripture says that it is God who has put his seal on us, who has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now, as we look at that, we see that in the first century, when the New Testament was written, uh, it was common for people who would write a letter to put a wax seal on the, on the letter, you know, to seal it with a little wax insignia so that you knew it was for real, it was legit, and only, only the proper person could open it, and if the seal was broken, you know, somebody had, you know, you know broken it and, and read your letter, and you know that the seal would give you an indication of who it was from and who, who had sealed the contents of the writing. And so in the same way, the Holy Spirit seals our hearts. He, he seals your identity. It's, it's saying, look, you are, you are guaranteed, you, you, you are proof positive belonging to God. There's nothing you can do to uh, try to make yourself look like God's person. There's nothing you can do to try to fake the funk. But rather, you have been bought at a price by Jesus' blood and because he sent the Holy Spirit to come and seal our hearts for the day of redemption, we are identified as belonging to God. You are God's child, and the Holy Spirit has sealed your heart to that end. It's kind of like running into old friends. If you have kids and you haven't seen somebody in a while, I mean, this happens to me periodically, because this is my hometown, I see people all the time, and I haven't seen them in a while, and I'll run into some friends, and maybe I see their kids, and I'm like, wow, that kid's a spitting image of you, man. Uh, I actually had to, I mean, regretfully this past week, had to go to a funeral for a, a childhood friend of mine who died tragically in a car accident. And I haven't seen this girl in years. Uh, it's been a really long time since I'd seen her. And as I walked to the funeral home uh, where they were having the visitation, there's probably three or 400 people, man, just swarming out in the parking lot. And as I'm walking by uh, around the side of the building from the parking lot to go to the front door, I look uh, in a window that was, it was kind of a low window, and there's this little girl with her hand against the glass just looking around outside. And I've never seen this kid before. 
And there's 300 people around. And I looked at that kid, and I knew exactly that that was my past friend's daughter. I mean, the the girl that had died tragically in a car accident. I'm walking past a window, and I see her daughter, because that girl was the spitting image of her mom. And so I looked at the little girl, and I walk around the corner, and sure enough, her dad's holding her at this point, and I'm, I'm talking to the family, and I see the little girl. And, and I can tell, because, because it's, it's the, it looks just like her mom. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit who seals our hearts, who, who, as God sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts to dwell with us and to change us, we are identified as God's children. We, we start to look more like God. He starts to manifest characteristics and traits within us. So that there's no mistaking, we, we belong to God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has sealed our hearts. See, Jesus teaches here that he says he will not leave us as orphans, he will come again. But it's the Holy Spirit that makes a guarantee, a promise, and seals us, identifying us as belonging to God, being his children together. Verse 29, Jesus says this, And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. You see, there's a conjunction here between the work of the Holy Spirit sealing your identity and then also your response. Jesus says, look, you will believe. There there will be faith. There will be relational trust in who Jesus is and what he's done. That's the, the work of the Holy Spirit giving you understanding of the gospel because when he seals your hearts, when he identifies you as a child of God, some things happen within you so that you may believe, so that you may trust, so that you may know. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So friends, when you stand before God, when you stand before God in the final day, You need not look at him and say, God, look at my resume. Look at how good I was. Look at how smart I was. Look at how kind I was. All you need to do is stand before the king of the universe and say, your Holy Spirit sealed me. You should have no problem knowing who I am. And friends, for you and I today, if we forget the work of the Holy Spirit, we fall into the trap of trying to do better and try harder and work harder to, to make God love us and make God accept us. We try to do better and try harder to make each other accept us. We're like, look, man, I'm, I'm serving just as much as you. But friends, when we do that, we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. We're forgetting the promise of Jesus himself that says, look, I lived for you, I died for you, I rose for you, I ascended for you, and I sent the Holy Spirit for you to seal your heart, to identify me, to identify you as a child of God. I'm sorry, hold on just a second. I just saw the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. I'm not kidding, I think it was the size of my hand. I'm really sorry, I'm terrified of snakes and spiders. If there's a snake up here, I'm gone. I'm really sorry. That thing was huge. I'm really embarrassed. Okay, I'm really sorry. Golly. We have to trust that that's a divine moment, man. I mean, God knew that spider was going to be there, so forgive me if we got a little distracted. (laughs) I hope that thing's not on me. Hmm. Oh, I'm really sorry, friends. Back on track. The, The work of the Holy Spirit is that, first, the Holy Spirit identifies us as God's children and enables us to believe. And, and friends, I want us to know, um, when we, when we neglect the work of the Holy Spirit and we forget the gospel, we try to prove ourselves to God and we try to prove ourselves to each other. And that's never good. That's never good. It never works out if you spend your life trying to impress God to accept you. All the while he's saying, I have accepted you. I sent the Holy Spirit to seal your heart. You belong to me. You don't have to prove yourself to God. He bought you. He owns you. He's redeemed you. He's working in you and through you for his good pleasure and for your joy. He has sealed your heart. He has sent his spirit to you. So you can rest. You can rest in him. You can delight in the Lord. You can worship the Lord saying, God, thank you. You don't have to prove yourself to each other in this room. No matter what stage of faith you're in, if you are a veteran believer and you're like, I have all kind of catechisms memorized in four languages, praise the Lord, man, I don't. And somebody else in the room could be like, I don't even know what a catechism is. Praise the Lord. You know what? We come together as broken, rescued orphans. 
at different stages. So we don't have to prove ourselves to each other. Because you know what? If I look at you and God bought you, he has, His Holy Spirit has sealed you, you belong to God, not me. I can, I can love you for who you are and how you are because God loves you and bought you. And you can love me, right? And I don't have to prove anything to you. I'm a goofball who's afraid of spiders and snakes, okay? See, the Holy Spirit seals our hearts. He identifies us as belonging to God and enables us to believe. And this changes how we relate to God and to each other. Secondly, I want us to look at this. The Holy Spirit gives us an understanding and empowers our application of the Scriptures. Okay, this is important because I think we, uh, in an overeducated society, can forget this. I mean, you don't have to go to seminary to, to understand the Scriptures. You can read the Word and trust that if God has sealed your heart with the Holy Spirit, which He says He does, and if He sends His Spirit to you, which He says He does, Jesus says, look, I'm, I'm doing this, I promise I'll do this, then you can trust that the Holy Spirit gives us understanding and empowers our application of Scripture. Now, we'll never do this perfectly because we're also still broken people. So it's kind of like, um, you know, if you're backstage back here while Zach Todd's playing the guitar, that amplifier will blow your eardrums out, man. And then when you come out here, it rings a little bit, but you can still hear the beauty of folks singing. When I stand back here before, before I preach, I'm praying, and even though the guitar amp is really loud, I can still hear, hear you guys singing. Right? Probably not as much if I stood up here away from the amp. So in the same way, we don't have a perfect understanding of Scripture because we're broken people. Our ears are ringing a little bit, but we're still hearing from God. I don't mean to pick on you, Zach. <laughs> have you ever been to a different country? I mean, have you ever been to a, a place where English was not the predominant language or uh, a place where the customs and the culture was a little bit different? Uh, years ago, uh, I, I did some mission work in, in the country of Romania, and I loved it. I spent several summers over there. And uh, there was one time we were driving um, from Budapest, Hungary, uh, into Tigermorish, Romania, which is in the heart of Transylvania, which is awesome. And we stopped in this, um, and we stopped in this little town called Cluj because it had a McDonald's. Woo! And so we're going to get ourselves a McDonald's, which Romanian McDonald's is, is legit, man. They serve beer at it. It's just it's hilarious. You can get a beer and a Happy Meal. Um, but Romanian beer is not that good. Um, but I love Romania, and so does God. So, um, so we're stop- we stopped at McDonald's in Cluj, and I walk up to the menu. This is one of my first times there. And, and we walk up to the menu, and I see a word. I just, I can't, I just can't make heads or tails of it, because some of it is like you know cheeseburger, whatever. You can kind of tell what the word is. But there was a word up on the, on the screen that it said, I swear to you, it said placenta. And I was like, what in the world? Is there a placenta here? That's disgusting, right? And so I was like, I leaned over to this guy. I'm like, so first of all, what's a placenta? And secondly, why is it only $1.50? <laughs> like, that's disgusting, right? And so I was asking, like, are they just trying to salvage every part of a cow? I don't know. But I came to find out it's not placenta, it's placinta, which means apple pie. Um, I still didn't need it. <laughs> I was like, I'm just sorry, I can't get past the placenta. Uh, so, in the same way, as broken human beings, if we come to God's Word not empowered by the Holy Spirit, not indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we're like looking at a Romanian menu thinking, placenta? I mean, you know what I mean? You're like looking at it just saying, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. That sounds disgusting to me. That's repulsive to me. But when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we're like, wow, this is sweet food that I must eat, right? And, and Jesus himself even says it. He says, in, in verse uh, 16, he says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world cannot receive the Spirit of truth. You can ask any super educated, super powerful, super even a super nice, super generous pagan, a non-Christian, a non-believer, what they think about the scriptures. And they may tell you some intelligent snippets, but in the end, they cannot receive the truth. I mean, they can't. It's like being a goofy American looking at a menu in Romania. You just, you don't get it. You need somebody to lean over and say, it's not placenta, it's placenta. It means apple pie. You need somebody to translate for you. You need somebody to give you an understanding. I need it. You need it. 
And when people come to me and they say, well, I just can't get the Bible because of all the injustices done across the world throughout history. You know what? Those injustices were done because people uh, were not following the Holy Spirit. They weren't understanding the scripture. They were, they were broken sinners, not given understanding from the Holy Spirit. And so they were misusing and abusing the scriptures. And it's what you and I do as well if we neglect the work of the Holy Spirit. If we neglect who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing in our lives, if we kind of say, look, I don't really get this Holy Spirit thing. I think it's an it, like a tool bag, or I think it's just kind of some random superpower thing so people start waving banners and shaking on the floor. If that's your misconception of the Holy Spirit and you say, I just don't even want to deal with that, then you're missing out on God's gift to you to understand the Scripture. Verse 24 Jesus says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I mean, it's such a strong statement. It's like a perfect picture of the Trinity, the God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. It's awesome. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is why we trust the New Testament, is because what the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance is the things that these dudes wrote down. (laughs) The Holy Spirit said, remember this, and the guy said, got it, and wrote it down. And so for you and I today, as you study Scripture, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us understanding, gives us application. Again, we have to be wary of our brokenness, of our ringing ears, of our, of our faulty understanding, because if we lean on our own... I mean, let me just tell you, man, I'll confess to you. If I can, can I be real? I can be real, because you love me, right? Because you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be real. Friends, it is easy for me, at times, to rest on my own understanding because I have two seminary degrees. It is. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the temptation, I think, of every seminary student. We say, well, you know what? I've got a master's in Greek. I do. Who cares? That was fun. I enjoyed it. God used it. But at the end of the day, that degree means nothing if the Holy Spirit is not giving me understanding of his scripture. And you can pray for me and all the pastors, anybody that ever stands up here to teach the word, pray while we talk that the Holy Spirit will be speaking through us because otherwise we're just wasting everybody's time, really. Go to, a, go to Deaf Comedy Jam and don't come here if there's some moron talking. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking through his word, which Jesus says he does, then we're in good company. So maybe next Sunday will be low attendance Sunday. I don't know. The Holy Spirit inspired the writing of Scripture. He is our interpreter. He gives us understanding. He empowers our application of it. Because the Holy Spirit is working for our good, not just for intellectual information, but for transformation. Since we are sealed by him, we belong to God. We are identified as God's people. He gives us understanding of of who Jesus is and how we are to live. Scripture tells us in various other places that he empowers our obedience. I mean, right here in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You can't keep the commandments of Jesus on your own. Why? Because you don't love Jesus on your own. The Holy Spirit makes you love Jesus. Therefore, you can keep his commands. That's how it works. That's how it happens. Because you can't just say, well, I don't know how I feel about the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to try to love Jesus the best I can. Well, you're going to mess it up, man. I've tried it. I was really good at faking it, and it just didn't work. So the Holy Spirit makes us love Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers our obedience, as verse 15 says. Verse 21 says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you flip over to Galatians chapter 5, you see some other stuff that the Holy Spirit does. Um, I mean, chapter 5 talks about Christ setting us free and how we are to walk by the Spirit of God. Verse 22 Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Ooh, 
I love these verses, man. Commit these to memory. You can look at them and say, all right, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, if we make that a checklist of things to do, you've forgotten the Holy Spirit already. These are not to, it's not a to-do list. It's not, all right, everybody, this week your assignment is to love people and to act joyful and to make peace and to be patient. This is fruit. You can't, you can't make fruit happen. It just it, it manifests, right? Jesus in John 14 says, I will manifest myself in you and to you. Okay? The Holy Spirit will come and give you an understanding of Scripture and help you apply it. And, and, and the fruit of that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And friends, it's my hope and prayer that if, if we live by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit, those things will manifest. Does that make sense? I, mean, I, I don't ever want this church or any church that belongs to Jesus to say, we are going to do these things. But rather, I want the Spirit of God to move in such a way that there is an unstoppable joy in your life. I mean, I want the Holy Spirit to move in your life in such a way that you are just overflowing with love for your brothers and sisters in Christ and for the lost and for those neighbors in your neighborhood, for other Christians at other churches, for, for other people in your life that maybe hate your guts. You're just like, oh my goodness. God, save me. I belong to God. I'm just love. I'm just gushing with love. It's so nauseating how much love is here or, or how much joy is in your life or how much peace, personal peace, like in your soul. Peace means a right relationship with God, a right relationship with each other. So do you have peace before God because the Holy Spirit has given you that peace? Do you have peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ? No strifing, no fighting. Why? Are you faking it? No, it's because the Holy Spirit has given you that peace. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Friends, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. It's my hope and prayer. I was praying this passage this morning as my twins were like nibbling at my knees. I was like, God, may this be evident in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my house. May this be evident at this church. Friends, I'm praying this for you. If you're a member of this church, I have your name on a list. I pray for your by name. I pray for you by name and your family. And I'm praying, may God's Holy Spirit give this fruit in your life for your good, for our joy collectively, for, for His glory, and that the good news of Jesus may go forth as we live and walk by the Spirit. I told you there was a lot of verses. If you flip over to 1 Corinthians 12, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit manifests fruit in your life, not only personally, but gives you gifts for service for other people. This is a big one, man, because sometimes people want to jump into service forgetting that it's a Holy Spirit thing and just thinking, well, I'm good at this, so I'm going to do that. And you're not good at that? Well, then you're not as good a Christian as I am. Man, if anybody ever says that, just slap them with the Bible gently. Because I'm not gifted the same way you are. And Scripture says that's how it's supposed to be. You're not gifted the same way I am. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not, I, I didn't acquire these gifts by my own accord. The Holy Spirit gave them to me. So if you have issue with my gifting, talk to Jesus. Don't gripe at me. I'm not going to take issue with your gifting. It's not my gift to gripe about. You belong to God. He gave you these gifts. Man, I don't even know where I am in the Bible. Where are we? 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So there you go. If you're a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit did it. No questions. Boom. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you say Jesus is Lord to me, I know that the Holy Spirit has sealed your heart for redemption. Right? It goes on to say there are a variety of gifts. Good heavens. It says there are a variety of gifts. Variety of service. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you just keep reading that, man. It's so amazing that the Holy Spirit gives you gifts for the common good. 
If God has given you a gift, it is not for your own good only. It's for the common good. It's for the building up of other believers. If God has given you a gift of service, serve joyfully, building up other believers. If God has given you the gift of, of leading, lead to the glory of God for the benefit of other believers. If God has given you the gift of preaching or teaching, man, uh, talk to me. If you feel God is moving in your heart to be a preacher, we'll, we'll talk, man. It's my hope and prayer that more people will begin to have opportunities to share God's word. I mean, me, Reggie, Ben, praise, praise be to God. I'm hoping, and, I mean, I mean, I just throw this out there. This is a random, different prayer request. I'm praying that the Lord will raise up leaders from other ethnicities and cultures and parts of the city that will come preach the word from this stage or whatever stage we happen to be on two months from now. Right? I would love an African-American brother in Christ to stand up here and just proclaim God's word over us. I would love a Korean believer to come up here and just start just spewing out the gospel, right? I would love a Native American, I mean, I, just name it, someone of Spanish-speaking descent. It'd be jamming, man. That's just another random hope and prayer. So you can add that to your growing prayer list. Because God gives fruit in your life personally. He gives gifts of the Spirit for the building up of believers and that the good news may ripple out. All right, so those are the two. We've got one more. Right, the first is in this passage, where we are, the Holy Spirit seals us. He identifies us as belonging to God and enables us to believe the gospel. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us an understanding of Scripture and empowers our application of Scripture, our obedience to it. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit, this is so good. It's all good. The Holy Spirit is God's ongoing, comforting presence with you. The Holy Spirit is God's ongoing comforting presence with you, with us. Right? The Holy Spirit of God dwells with us and in us. And I lost my place. Verse 17 says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's a promise from Jesus, man. The Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. He is dwelling in you. All right, we've already talked about that a little bit. Your understanding and application of Scripture comes from the Holy Spirit. Your belief in the Gospel comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is dwelling with us and in us. Therefore, uh, the fruit of the Spirit will manifest. The gifts of the Spirit will manifest. If the Holy Spirit's not dwelling in us and with us, then let's just walk away. But if He is, which I think He is, because He's stirring up some folks in this room, stirring me up, the fruit of the Spirit will manifest in our lives. The gifts of the Spirit will manifest in our community. Verse 17, You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 20, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Is Jesus speaking here? Verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because peace I leave with you, Jesus says. He's leaving peace with you because his Holy Spirit is coming to dwell with us and in us. Peace means a right relationship with God, right relationship with each other. So how do we know the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us and with us? First of all, Jesus said it. Holy Spirit is dwelling with you and in you. But if you need some more from the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says to the young church at Corinth, who was full of all kind of goofiness, he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. How about that? Your body, your personal body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. There you go. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you are a believer, he is in you. Boom. Why? Because Jesus said it and because Paul says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But you know what else? It's not only a personal thing, it is a corporate thing. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in our presence now because 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you, he's talking to a congregation here, you all, y'all is what he'd say, do you not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So right on two occasions, for example, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, look, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you personally, in your body. And secondly, he says he's dwelling with you corporally as God's congregation, God's people. So what does that mean for us? I'm going to wrap it up here, friends, because um, the Holy Spirit can just, uh, we can talk about him, and we should talk about him all day long. 
So what does this mean for you and I? If the Holy Spirit identifies us as God's children and enables us to believe the gospel, and secondly, if the Holy Spirit uh, gives us an understanding and application of Scripture, and that's evident because of fruit and gifts, and thirdly, the Holy Spirit is God's ongoing comforting presence with us, it's because he dwells in you personally and dwells in us corporately as a gathered community of believers. What does this mean for us? First, I want to say this. Um, trust God's work in your life. That may sound oversimplified, but trust God's work in your life on your behalf. This dispels all fears and doubts. If you are worried about your salvation, you trust the work of God in your life. You trust who Jesus is and what he's done, because if you can profess with your mouth and say, Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do that. So trust him. Trust that he is growing your understanding. It's not going to be perfect, but over time you will grow in your understanding and application of Scripture. This means that we will have empowered obedience. This means that we can expect great things from God because Jesus promised that his Holy Spirit will be in us and with us. So, so why are we going to stand by with our pockets and say, that's great, man, we could talk about it all day long. We talk about Scripture. Let's argue some theology. You want to? No. I don't want to argue theology anymore. I'm begging the Holy Spirit to do I mean, I've argued theology for a decade of my life. I'm tired of arguing theology. I'm, I'm ready for God to give a little joy, give a little peace, a little patience, a little manifestation of some fruit around here, which he's doing. I'm not, he's doing. I'm seeing it all over my life. Personally, I'm seeing it in the lives of so many of you guys. I just love meeting you guys for coffee and lunch. And you're like, let me tell you what God's teaching me. I'm like, yes. Here's one that I've been praying about and got my backside handed to me with 500 other pastors last week. Praying for bold evangelism. Bold evangelism. If we belong to the Holy Spirit, I mean, if the Holy Spirit seals us and empowers us and indwells us, that means we participate in what he's doing. Right? That's why there's fruit and gifting of the Holy Spirit. For instance, the Holy, if the Holy Spirit... If it's by the Holy Spirit people are getting saved, we're going to have a participatory role in that. We're going to be sharing the gospel. And we were in Acts 29 pastors retreat last week, and uh, Matt Chandler said to a group of pastors, which is just awesome, when a pastor preaches at 400 pastors, he says, you could be a beast in the pulpit and a coward in your neighborhood, and that's not a win. Wow. Like everybody whipped out their smartphones is tweeting the mess out of that. You could be a beast in the pulpit, but a coward in your neighborhood, and that's not a win. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit is in you and with you, you're going to share the gospel. You're going to tell people. You can't not not tell people the good news. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to do that. And so if you're like, yeah, the Holy Spirit has sealed my heart for the day of redemption. I belong to Jesus. I'm not going to tell anybody about him that I don't think the Holy Spirit's in you. And I would say you may not be a Christian. Or if so, you're a disobedient Christian, and I've been kind of a coward in my neighborhood. Suburbs are crazy, y'all. You know how hard it is to mow over your neighbor's flowers and then go over there and say, let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) It's not easy. So, I mean, just to share with you that, I had an opportunity this week, man, I think God is being very gracious to me in this area because I'm, I'm trying to grow in that area. You know, people just think, oh, you're a preacher. You always share the gospel. No, we don't, actually. And um, sometimes we just retire of sharing the gospel. This past week, I actually had the opportunity to share the gospel with a dying man who died five days, five hours later. How cool is that? And it's because I'm a coward and probably couldn't just walk up to somebody on Broad Street and say, let me share the gospel with you. So God's like, look, I'm going to make it easy for you this week. That guy's going to die in five hours. And his one request is, hey, can you tell me how to make peace with God before I go? I've never been to church. Can you tell me how to make peace with God? The Holy Spirit set that up, man. And so I said, yeah, can I get out a Bible? And he said, yeah. And in the presence of caretakers and people, I sat here and read all kind of scripture about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and um, prayed with the family and... Uh, we'll see. Maybe that guy is with Jesus right now. Not my work. It's the Holy Spirit, man. One last thing I'll say, and then I'm done. If you look in the book of Acts, 
We don't have time to read the entire book, but you should this week. We often call it the Acts of the Apostles, but if you really think about it, and maybe your translation says what it should say, and it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, what you see happening is the Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus, chapter 1, and the rest of the book is the Holy Spirit doing amazing things for God's glory and the joy of the people. And he does that in people and through people, individuals and in congregations. And I love, you get to, just for example, two, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Just read that. We talked about it the past couple of weeks about the marks of a real church is devoted to teaching and breaking of bread and prayers and all came, comes upon every soul and people are being added to their number. They're being generous. People are getting saved. And that is not a blueprint of what kind of church we're going to try to fake. But that is evident of what the Holy Spirit does when he comes and wrecks individuals' lives and wrecks families' lives and wrecks a community and a church and wrecks a city. And that's my hope and prayer. I'm a little fired up about this because I love you. And I love Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is like setting off grenades in my brain and in my heart the past two weeks. So I just wanted to share that with you. If you're not a Christian, it is my hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit's prompting your heart to believe the gospel. If you have questions, please come talk to me. We want you to know Jesus. If you are a believer and you um, are dealing with issues, we want to talk to you too. And if you're a believer like me and you're a member of this church, we've got tons of work to do. So let's get at it, shall we? Let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Uh, thank you for sending Jesus Thank you for redemption and forgiveness of sin. Thank you for uh, the gospel, the good news. God, I pray uh, for uh, my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray for myself. God, that you would remove the sand from our eyes that keeps us from seeing you more clearly and that you would remove the ringing from our ears that keeps us from hearing you. God, that by your Holy Spirit you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that you would give us hearts to receive the gospel, to beat with new life, that you would give us passion. God, that you would give us an unquenchable desire to make the name of Jesus known. God, we trust your word. Jesus, you tell us you are sending your Holy Spirit and that gives us peace, which is a right relationship with God and each other. And so, God, I pray that we would embrace that and trust that, that you would uh, give us security and our identity of, as being children bought by your blood, Jesus, and that your Holy Spirit would remind us of that daily. And that with that reminder, we would know that we are given gifts and fruit that manifest your Holy Spirit's work in us and through us. God, I pray that you would give us hearts of, of servants. You would be, make us be bold as lions to share our faith. God, I pray that we would be uh, proclaiming the gospel to our families, to our co-workers. That we would be proclaiming the good news to our neighbors. God, just give us boldness. It's your work anyway. We can't mess it up if it's your work, right? So God, I pray that you would just set up divine appointments this week with our friends and family and neighbors. And God, may we be bold to tell the good news of Jesus. And we, you would empower our hands to serve in such a way that would give evidence to that good news. God, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would just wreck us. We belong to you. Do with us as you will. I beg you in the name of Jesus. Amen.